Fields of Innovation podcast. Where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello, and welcome back to the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and I want to wish you a happy 2016. 2015 was great for me. Did a lot of cool things, got around to a lot of neat places. Um, But also, I started this podcast, uh, and we had 12 episodes of the Agents of Innovation podcast in 2015, and hope to have many more in 2016. I really enjoyed getting to know a lot of the guests we had on the program, many entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists, and... um, Really enjoyed the conversations and learning from them, and also enjoyed hearing from you uh, feedback on what you thought of some of our guests, what you thought about the podcast, the style of the show, the sound quality, uh, all sorts of uh, questions and comments from many of you, and you've really helped me improve um, what I'm doing here, and I really appreciate you listening. And um, also, I appreciate you sharing the information with friends and family and colleagues, uh, helping to subscribe them to the podcast uh, via their smartphones or um, bringing them uh, to the Facebook page, uh, which you can find at facebook.com backslash Agents of Innovation Podcast, or just search for Agents of Innovation Podcast in the Facebook search bar. Um, also, I have a website, franciscogonzalez.us backslash podcast, and that's where I keep the archive of all the blog posts for each episode. We have one that accompanies each episode, along with links to how you can listen to that episode. So it's sort of a little teaser blog post and encapsulate some of the the major things that our guests have talked about with us on the program. And also, uh, of course, we're on Twitter, at Agent Innovation. So follow us at Agent Innovation on Twitter, and we post some updates on there and uh, some cool things as well. And I love hearing from you uh, through Twitter and Facebook. Uh, So please uh, continue to comment and suggest things and provide some feedback. And of course, you're probably listening to this on either SoundCloud or iTunes or Stitcher, and appreciate you spreading the word about where people can find the podcast. We have a great guest today, J.D. Iker, who's with the band J.D. Iker and the Good Nights, and um, we'll have him coming up right after this. Okay, well, I want to welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast, our friend, J.D. Iker. J.D., welcome. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Excited to be here. Well, great. Well, uh, J.D., I, I know you're from Youngstown, Ohio, and uh, one of the members of your band, J.D. Iker and the Good Knights, is also from Pittsburgh, PA, and you guys tour quite up and down the East Coast a lot and some other places, but I know you're, uh, you, you have a lot of uh, places you hit up in the Midwest quite um Quite often, and um, you you know, for our listeners here uh, who may or may not have met JD before, um, you'll know that he represents uh, the Midwest very well. He's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, and they always say, you know, the uh, the Midwest has some of the nicest people you ever meet, and uh, definitely representative of JD and his band. And oh, um, anyway, um, JD, tell us a little bit about what you're up to right now, and um, and then maybe we can go back in a few minutes and talk about how you got into uh, playing music. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, so yeah, I'm a, a singer songwriter with, uh, with the band and we do, uh, we do a lot of, 
a lot of um, kind of regional touring and um, and then I go off uh, solo acoustic as well and do do dates like that. And so um, at the moment, um, just kind of in between tours, we we did a run with uh, Sister Hazel in uh, late December as a full band. And then um, yeah, you know, I saw around. I saw some of your social media postings on that. Uh, you you, um, you had some pretty interesting venues. It looks like some big crowds. Yeah, yeah, we were honestly we were kind of pinching ourselves. It was a it was a really good opportunity. And and uh, you know, Sister Hazel's those guys are are just awesome guys so they were really kind to us and yeah we got to play for for huge crowds that were you know just awesome music fans we played like house of blues chicago which was a blast and um uh the vogue in indy and uh just a couple couple great spots and um and so yeah so so we we did that and kind of came home from for the holidays and just you know real excited about that last round of the year and then uh now i'm i'm kind of furiously working on uh, wrapping up an album that I'm a little behind schedule on uh, currently. And then in uh, about a week and a half, I leave uh, to head south for the Rock Boat uh, Festival cruise. And then on the way, I'll be playing some house shows and small venues on the way down and back on the way, way back up uh, north afterwards. So that's kind of the next tour coming up. Well, sounds like you don't have a moment to spare, and so we're really appreciative that you're oh, come on no, this no, podcast. No, happy, <laughs> yeah, no ha- happy to be here. Honestly, you know, you, you've been a, a great supporter of the band and, and a good friend, and and frankly, uh, you know, this is all stuff I look forward to doing. So it's a nice break from the chaos, frankly. Well, well, we'll have to tell our listeners how I originally met you. Um, I actually think maybe the first time I met you was actually on uh, the rock boat. Uh, briefly, yeah. and then um, being that I serve on the board of directors of Rock by the Sea. I know mm-hmm. Beth had invited you to come play at the at Rock by the Sea, and you've played down yeah. there um, a couple times now, I think. And uh, I think you came down once solo, and then once with the band. Yeah, right, right. And I I love Rock by the Sea. I'm not just not just saying that because you're on the board. That's it's one of my favorite things. Uh, and I, I've looked. And if, in fact, I'll be on, I'll be down there, you know, this coming year as well. And I just really look forward to it. There's some kind of perfect balance between um, music and vacation about that event that is just so great. It's such a I don't know. I look forward to it every time. Yeah, and this year it's going to be uh, May 12th through the 15th on St. George Island. Uh, for those of you in Florida, particularly uh, northwest Florida, that's a great spot to hit, and it's just a lot of fun. And, yeah, and for a good cause. You know? Yeah, we raise money mostly to help kids with cancer, so it's a great cause. Um, well, uh, J.D., you mentioned um, some of the folks. You know, you, I know you have uh, shared the stage recently with Sister Hazel, and you've also shared the stage with some diverse acts such as the Dave Matthews Band, Coldplay, Maroon 5, Pete Yorn, Amberlin, Rod Stewart, Brian Adams, Kelly Clarkson, Cartel, Matt White, and many others. Uh, what, what are some of the ones that might stand out to you, and how is it like sharing the stage with such profound artists? Yeah, well, um, I, I, should, I should say, to be fair, some of those gigs, um, a lot of the, big, the bigger name gigs were side stage shows and stuff, so I wasn't... Um, I wasn't like hanging out backstage with uh, Chris Martin from Coldplay. That, much to my dismay, man, I, I would have loved to uh, loved to hang out with some of those guys. But um, but those those have all been huge opportunities, um, just because you know they not only as a resume thing, but also just to 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 be a part of a show like that, and then to kind of see how the show works on on a, a big scale like that, and then watch you know what the the seasoned pros are doing from the from the big stage. It's it's it's. You know they're educational and exciting, which has been really cool for us. 
But I would say, um, you know, that that Coldplay show that we played on was right around the release of um, the Viva La Vida record, and um, which is, I think, probably in my opinion, uh, their their strongest album and stuff. And then so to see that show was was personally a big deal to me. But also just the way they they put it all together. Um, I just I can't get over the the stage presence and the coordination of like, um, you know, they had like little stages out in the. Um, out in the crowd and stuff. And, and, and now that's more, more common, but at the time that was, that was a newer thing. Where did you um, see them at? Um, this was at, uh, it was uh, first Niagara pavilion in, in Pittsburgh area, South of Pittsburgh. Um, so it's kind of like the, the, the Pittsburgh, um, shell venue out there. But, um, yeah, it was th- that show. I, I think that's still my favorite, you know, concert that I've ever seen was just, it was Coldplay that year. They just crushed it. It was great. And uh, I was just kind of in awe the whole time, so they did it for me. <laughs> yeah, they're quite amazing. Um, yeah, I saw them one time, but it was uh, it was kind of like a festival type thing in, in an arena up in DC, mm-hmm. probably ten years ago. Maybe, gosh, maybe maybe I'm dating myself. Maybe like thirteen years ago. Yeah. Um, but it was great. But I wish I got like forty five minutes to an hour of them, and I just it was like just a little bit of a taste, and love yeah. love to love to see them again in a full in a full concert on their own. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, uh, hey, um, so. You know, let's back up a little bit. Um, where did you get started? I know you you um, you are the lead vocals in the band and also play guitar, and maybe mm-hmm. you have some other talents as well. Um, where where and how did you get started uh, playing music? Yeah, um, well, I you know I didn't really have a I guess a traditional uh, story with music. I feel like um, you know there, I always hear these stories about musicians. You know, they started playing guitar when they were four. You know, and then they learned six more instruments and they were writing songs at age 11 and stuff. Um, but uh, I, I started, I mean, I had been strumming around on a guitar. We weren't really a, a musical household. Um, you know, my parents weren't musicians and stuff. So um, I remember I kind of convinced my parents to get me a guitar when I was 12, I think 12, maybe 13. And, uh, and, and began learning, you know, just chords, not really understanding music, but just kind of learning the basics of guitar and stuff. But it wasn't until um, I was... Uh, I guess at very end of high school, beginning of college that I started to, to write songs and, and really that I even started singing. I, 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 for some reason, never felt compelled to, to sing and play at the same time. It was always just playing guitar. So as soon as, as soon as I started to sing over, um, guitar parts, it's like everything just kind of opened up. And I was, as soon as I realized that that was something that you could do and that like, you didn't have to have magical powers to, you know, to be a singer songwriter and that you could just start writing songs. As soon as that happened, I, I was like all about it. And so, uh, it kind of became an obsession through college and, and it got me through, um, just a lot of my, my own personal, you know, you know, growth and development kind of issues as a, as a college kid and stuff. But, um, I just remember thinking that, you know, guitar was the one thing and, and songwriting was the one thing that kind of could, could reset, um, everything for me and I could just kind of escape for a little bit. And so, um, that's kind of what started me down this, uh, crazy path. And then, uh, and then I just realized in college and stuff that, uh, I was, you know, I was playing music way more than I was paying attention to studies and, and I was way more interested in songs and writing songs than, uh, you know, business courses and whatnot. So I tried to kind of steer my, myself toward, uh, music and business. And, and that's, I ended up pitching, um, an interdisciplinary degree program to the college that was basically a mix of uh, music and business courses. And where did you go to school and, again? Oh, at uh, Westminster College over in uh, kind of on the line with Ohio and Pennsylvania, little school in uh, New Wilmington, PA, a really, really nice little school um, out in Amish country. You could literally 
Yeah, it was the joke is that you could hear, you know, horse hooves in the morning going down the street and stuff. Um, but you know, I once so, uh, I once visited Kenyon College. It's probably in the kind oh, of the yeah, same area, not, right? Not too far. Not yeah. too far from, from me. Yeah. Yeah. So that area, you know, you can you can be pretty tucked away um, in the small towns out, out out this way. So uh, so it was nice. It was it was, and they 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 kind of took me up on on the uh, degree idea, and so I got a little bit of business and a little bit of music and came out of college and um instead of applying for jobs and stuff i just started um, begging venues to let me come play and slowly but surely i've just kind of i really i just keep begging venues to let me play (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i was going to ask you what how what did what was the leap like from just sitting there you know learning you know obviously playing guitar and maybe start writing some of your own songs to taking that in front of other people like what was what was that first like yeah, I think uh, it's definitely it's definitely a different thing, um, and in in good ways and in bad ways. I, I think it's interesting. Like I definitely play better when there are people around, when there's a pressure on and stuff. I noticed that right away. But but getting yourself to to that point is terrifying, especially in, in the beginning, because you you know you've put all this stuff down for you, really. You know, in, in the beginning, you're not writing songs. You're not trying to write a hit song necessarily. You're just you know you're just kind of putting down what comes out, and so. Uh, so it's usually, I mean, for me anyways, it's kind of deeply personal stuff. And, uh, so it does take like a, a little bit of, I don't know, I guess yeah, it takes some balls, man. <laughs> yeah. Balls to do it. But, but once you do it, you fall in love with that. Uh, there's a connection. And that's, I think that's what keeps me wanting to perform is, is, you know, you, you connect with people, um, when you play or hopefully you do anyway. And, and that, that connection is really what, you know, what drives me to perform and, and, you know, finding people in the the audience who, who seem to be kind of clicking with what you're saying and stuff. So, so as soon as, as soon as you get that bug, it's, it's a tough one to, to escape. And, um, today do you do music full time? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Full time. And, and that's, uh, it's more of a scary statement than, than a, a realistic one. I just, I'm kind of always, uh, hustling forward, trying to keep, keep the bills paid and the mortgage, you know, under control and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, it's full time and, and I just keep, keep hustling. And you just, uh, recently, I think celebrated your first one year anniversary, right? Wedding. Yeah. Yeah. I got married in uh, October of last year and, or of 2014. And, um, so, so, so far so good. We got a, we got a house. It was a, um, a real fixer upper situation, definitely a house that, you know, a musician could afford. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's been, um, and now it's, it, it's been pretty fixed up. It, it looks good now, but it took, it took a long time. A lot of, uh, a lot of painting and scraping wallpaper and stuff, but yeah. So and did I, did I hear that your wife is coming on the rock boat with you? She is. Yeah. Well, great. I'll look forward to meeting her. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think, I think you guys will hit it off. I think, uh, you guys will get along. I'm, I'm excited for her to meet everybody. It's going to be, it's going to be a blast. Well, great. Well, um, uh, so you're coming down, you're going to be playing a lot of shows throughout the Southeast and by shows, is that a mix of venues and house shows and, and what kind of, uh, shows are, and where are you going to be? Yeah, right. Uh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a mix, a lot of house shows on this, this particular run. Um, I'll be traveling, um, so some of the band's going to meet us down in Miami for the boat, and then um, I'll be traveling with my drummer, uh, Dylan, and he'll be, he's going to do like a, a percussion set. Um, so we'll do acoustic stuff on this tour um, to and from the boat. Um, so we're going to be in um, Raleigh for a house show, but it's open to the public uh, in North Carolina. And then we're doing the Double Door Inn in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'll be there with Steve Everett, um, who's another rock boat 
uh, guy. And then um, a house show in Gainesville, Florida, which is um, uh, open to the public. You can There's uh, information on my website to, to get more info on that show. And then we go down to... Uh, Let's see, Wesley Chapel, Florida, which is like the Tampa Tampa area, for a show with uh, Steve Everett and Paul Fow and Heyman A, kind of leading up to the boat as well. And then two private house shows, and then it's the rock boat. And then on the way back, we're hitting um, Palm City and uh, Awandaw, South Carolina. I don't know if that's how you say it, actually. Awandaw? I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. It's kind of near Charleston. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's an interesting. It's a, and people it's can find all this um, on your website, which is all J- on the website. Yeah, that JD Iker and the Good Nights dot com. And yeah. I'm, for those not, you know, Iker E I C H E R. So JD Iker and the Good Nights dot com. Um, all the the tour dates are on there. And um, and then we got the Rock Boat, which is awesome. So the, is are you you're bringing the full band on the Rock Boat? I think last time you were on there uh, solo. I was, yeah, yeah. So I'm real excited to have the band. I, you know, going solo on the rock boat. Um, wasn't sure, you know, I had never, never been or anything, and and kind of just knew about it a little bit. So um, it's it's definitely going to be a different beast when you've got you know a rock band on the rock boat and you're not just with a guitar on the rock boat. I just um, I'm real excited to have the guys and, and you know play electric guitar and just kind of. Yeah, and for those guitar. for those listening who have never been on the rock boat, it's 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 hard to describe because it's a uh, when you first hear about it, you think, okay, it's a music festival on a cruise ship. All right, cool. But people just don't really realize just the intensity and how crazy the schedule is. And yeah. I, think, I think at any given time between about noon and 2 a.m., there's like three or four competing concerts. Um, you've got solo artists playing in lounges. You've got bands on the pool stage on the upper deck. You know, you've got a, a big kind of venue stage inside. And it's just just a lot going on. There's theme nights. There's you know people dress up on. It's just a it's a crazy experience. And and I'd say most of the people probably going on it now have been on at least one, if not five, rock yeah. boats before. So this is rock boat number sixteen. And actually, JD, this will be my fifth rock boat. So I get my track jacket this year. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> that's the one too. I feel like that's the the item. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great. Um. But the um, the rock boat I know it's it's filled with a lot of fans who really um embrace the artist and i know like for me as a fan i go on there and i i I know certain bands um or know at least of certain bands and that i've come on there to listen to but then i I discover a lot of other new music and you know one year a couple years ago discovered uh your music uh through the rock boat and uh and so it's great because you get you come off and you got a lot of new um artists that you can listen to and i know some of these fans are so enthusiastic that they become some of these folks that host you at house shows and bring their friends to your, your shows when you're in their city. And, uh, tell me, uh, have you seen, how, what was your experience like coming off the rock boat, uh, with, um, gaining some new fans? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, what, what you're saying is true. And I, I think, you know, the, one of the big w- keywords when I think about the rock boat is a uh, community. Like, I just feel like there's this this world of, of, of people. And, and I, I guess if you don't, if you haven't been on the boat or you're not, you know, friends with a rock boat or whatever, you, it's just kind of, it's something that, you know, is kind of under the radar, but there's this family of people that just support live music. And, uh, and yeah, so I mean, coming off the boat and actually, honestly, even before I got on the boat, I remember being announced for the rock boat and I had a gig like two or three days later and there was a rock boater at that gig. And I just, I remember like being, I, I, I cause it was kind of, it was, it was early on for me, you know, knowing about everything. And, and I just remember being blown away by that. Like, man, these people really, 
they care. And it's, it's also, it's kind of a focus on live music in particular. So, so, you know, you can, you can count on rock voters to show up at, at shows and, and, uh, it's, it's been, it's been an awesome thing. I've met so many, um, seriously great supporters and, and friends through the rock boat and stuff. So, but yeah, coming off the boat was, you know, it was a chain game changer for me. I was able to, to tour in new places and, and, uh, I can come back to cities where I, you know, I, I could never go before. It's, it's been great. Um, it's that whole community is, is a real, it's a, it's, it's a lifeblood for upcoming bands and, and touring acts. Well, that's awesome. Um, I, okay, well, JD, I wanted to talk about a little bit about your music and your songwriting. Um, sure. and, um, I noticed that you have three albums and mm-hmm. the first album was called the shape of things. Yeah. The second album was called shifting and the mm-hmm. most recent album was called into place. And if you put all three of that together, you it sounds like you purposely did this, the shape of things shifting into place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you, and in fact, on your website, you talk about, uh, this as, uh, you know, a trilogy, uh, three. <laughs> and yeah, so, yeah. uh, so anyway, um, Tell me a little bit about your thinking uh, and your approach to each album and what you were kind of trying to uh, um, to tell us. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, really, this is all just an attempt to give me a migraine because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I started off, I didn't really realize what I was getting into doing like a, a three album concept um, from the from the set off. But um, it, it was it's definitely it was a lot to kind of keep organized and, and, and to keep the themes together and everything. But, um, yeah, I just, I, I, and maybe it's a little bit of nerddom too. I, I love like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. There are a lot of big trilogies in my life. So, um, it just seemed like, you know, the thing to do, but, um, I, I like, uh, I really like when albums, um, tell a story and when there's kind of an overarching theme, um, rather than just a bunch of songs, you know? So, so I, I really wanted to chase that down in, in, with, with the band and in my own songwriting stuff. So kind of decided that, um, doing it across three albums and trying to explore a lot of different musical ideas and then a lot of different, um, thematical ideas. So, I, you know, I tell stories and I tell, um, personal accounts and there's some fictional stuff and there's some real life stuff, but it all kind of follows along this theme of, of hope and love and, and acceptance. And, and by the end of the, the album, it's kind of like a coming of an a coming of age and, and kind of a comfort in, um, you know, in, in who you are as a person. And, and I, there's just some that the whole human condition thing is something that I can't seem to, to get past. And so it's a lot of the, the records is me kind of struggling with just identity and purpose and everything. But I try to lay it out in a, in a somewhat uh, cohesive way across those three albums. So that's, I don't know if that makes sense, but. Well, let me, let me ask you something. Did you, when yeah. you, when you named the first album, the shape of things, did you know, mm-hmm at that time that you were going to do this, these three albums and have these other two specific names? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I didn't have uh, yeah, the big question is always, you know, did you write all the songs ahead of time? And I didn't, but I did know I had the, the names written out and I had kind of an, an outline, I guess you would say like an organized, um, list of the ideas, the things that I needed to talk about, the things I wanted to say. And, um, and kind of a, a, I guess, yeah, like almost like a spread of, of where they would show up on what album and, and, uh, and a plan. So I, I did have that. And then I tried to write the songs a little closer to, um, to the time of, uh, you know, of recording and whatnot, be- just because I think, you know, I, I, you hear a lot of artists say that albums are, you know, a snapshot or they're a, a point in time. And I, I kind of wanted the, the music to feel very, uh, you know, in the moment relevant to me when I was recording it. So, so a lot of it was like I had bits and pieces that then I strung together as a, as a, when the time came, you know? Well, cool. Well, um, 
I've also noticed that you've had some of your songs picked up uh, commercially. And um, tell me a little bit. uh, uh, One of your songs was played on Virgin American Airlines. By the way, one of the best airlines out there. I I love that airline. Um, And then uh, Olive Garden uh, has used it in a a TV ad campaign. Um, And I don't know if there's been other things, um, but... What was that like, and how did I mean? How did that happen? Yeah, um, I, that that whole world to me is like a complete mystery, and and one that you know people ask me that question. I'm always like, man, I I really wish I could, I could tell you how it happened because I'd love to to do it more. You know, I'd love to be more involved in that in that stuff. But um, there the for us we we have uh, there's companies called licensing companies that, um, you know, that take a band's music and basically they look for opportunities for it. So sometimes it's, it's as simple as they, you know, somebody just needs a rock song and, and, you know, you're the band that's lucky enough to be there at that moment. Sometimes it's, it's more specific. Like they're like, we're looking for a song with these words in it. And then, um, you know, if you have that song, it gets pitched to that company in that way. Um, with, uh, um, the Virgin, uh, teaser, trailer type thing um that we were in um i think sonically that was just kind of that song just kind of worked with the vibe that they were looking for um and uh with olive garden now, that now was, was that actually played like in what was that like when people are getting ready to take off or something well that yeah no actually that so virgin did a, a movie um a couple of years ago and it was like uh it was the i guess it was the first movie or, or the only movie anyway that had been filmed um entirely while in the air so they, they filmed hmm. the whole movie um, while flying. And, um, and so that, the, the song that was used from us was in the, like, the teaser for that movie. What so, song was um, it? Uh, it's called Level Out. And okay. It was, um, yeah, it's off our first record. So they, that was the one that got used for that. And then... Well, that's good. Uh, I mean, I kind of want the plane to level out when I'm up there. So that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I've never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought that. Because they, they use, it's instrumental. It's, you know, it's kind of in the background of like the, the talking and stuff. But man, that's, I never thought of, I wonder if that had any influence on it. <laughs> I'm like, well, this one's called Level Out, you know. <laughs> Might as well listen to it. But yeah, so, so that was that one. And uh, Olive Garden was, um, I think, I think this, the vibe of the song was just kind of the, the right fit for that commercial. And um and, and kind of the you know the the kind of sound they were looking for at the time, but um, those things you, you know you you count your blessings when they happen because um, you know there are some bands that you know that, that have a good connection in that world and it happens more and more often for them. But um, you know for us it was I really think it was a lucky thing and I uh, just hope to get lucky again sometime. <laughs> yeah, you know what you need is a like a theme song for a TV show that just plays every uh-huh. time. Dude, I say that a lot. I, I, every time my wife and I were watching Friends uh, about a month ago, we were going through a Friends binge, and I was saying, I was like, man, if if only we could write like a tune like this one that just gets played a billion times, that would be, you know, that would that would fix a lot of problems for for the for the starving musician thing, you know. So for for like a uh, like a commercial like Olive Garden. Mm-hmm. Did, how did that on the business side of things? How did that work? Was it just like a spot fee, or is it like every time they play that, you get like a royalty check? Uh, actually, the answer to that is yes. You, it's 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 it, those commercial things can sometimes be you know a really good deal, but yeah, you get a fee up front, um, and then you get uh, royalties on the back end. And actually, just it, it just believe it or not, I just got paid the royalties for for that um, this past week. And what song was used in, in the Olive Garden commercial? Uh, the Olive Garden used Aaron, um, which oh, is off our newest great. newest record. In fact, I think that's one we were talking about playing today. 
Yeah, so we're gonna uh, yeah we'll we'll uh, when we finish out this podcast we'll uh, we'll play Aaron um, as awesome. well. But uh, yeah, JD, well this is uh, this has been great having you on, and um, uh, I'm excited for things to come with you. Now tell me a little bit more um, about the rest of your band. And by the way, I should back up here too. You know, I took my parents this year came to Rock by the Sea. And, uh, you know, they're probably my biggest fans on this podcast. So hopefully they'll be listening at some point. But but I remember my dad saying to me as he was watching you and listening to you, and he didn't really, he didn't know any of the bands. And he says, this guy right here has a presence. And uh, he he said, he's going to, he's going to really take off. I can feel it. So anyway. uh, Well, thank you, Mr. Gonzalez. (laughs) And so I remember, I remember him saying that. And that was while you were sporting the Melodyne tank top, I think. So maybe that, uh. Yeah, it might have just been the the tank, you know. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's awesome. But anyway, um, you know, but um, as I was saying, uh, you know, what? Yeah, tell me a little bit more about your band, and um, I know you guys, um, you know, you're from Youngstown, Ohio. You got somebody there from Pittsburgh, and how you guys formed, and how you play together, and and how that works. Because I know sometimes you do solo gigs, and sometimes the full yeah. band. Yeah, well, I, you know, I should start by saying I'm, I'm, I really am a lucky guy. The, the, the band that I have, um, you know, these guys are um, over the, you know, the lineup of the band has changed over the years, but the guys I've got are just, they're, they're solid guys, they're great players, and, uh, and they really, you know, they work with me to, to make it happen. And especially at this level, you know, there's enough money for me to exist and I can, and I can get money in their pockets and stuff, but it's not, you know, it's not a glory thing. And so I'm, I really, you know, I tell them this a lot cause I really, I, can, I count my blessings that they're, you know, they come on the trips and that they do stuff with me. Um, and, and we, you know, we're able to make it work. Um, but they're good guys. I formed, um, the band in college, uh, kind of toward the end of my time at Westminster college. And, um, and Ben Ports, who's our keyboardist from Pittsburgh, is the remaining uh, original, well, remaining Westminster uh, alum on the, in the band. And then uh, another guy, Dylan Colat, plays drums for us, and he is a uh, Youngstown guy that I met. Uh, I was teaching guitar lessons for a couple of years out of college while I was getting things started with the music, and um, he also taught at that music store, so we kind of met that way. And then um, Jim Murhut, our bass player, he's a little bit older, um, he actually was the, the guy who taught me guitar, and he's a family friend. And uh, when our older bass player, um, he broke his hand and, and couldn't make some dates and stuff, so Jim filled in. And um, as the previous bass player was unable to, to continue with the group, um, Jim, we, we were just like, Jim, you want, you know, we know you're like, you know, a real adult, you've got a family and a job and kid, his five kids. And he's like a published author and all this stuff. I'm like, but would you want to just sleep on floors with us for a long, <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of conversation. And, uh, and, and he said yes, and much to, to our luck because he, it's just been, it's been great. Um, so, so anyway, so those are the guys and, um, we, we do as much as we can as a full band and, and, uh, I, I go out a lot kind of, uh, you know, I'll go out solo acoustic or as a duo and try to, to get the music out as much as I can um, in the interim when, you know, we can't do the band stuff. So um, it's been a good, it's, it's a good mix. It's a good way to, to make it work. And thankfully they, the guys are either, they either have other musical gigs or, or they've got, you know, other jobs that they are able to make it work where they can do part-time with the band and part-time and in the real world. So it's good. Well, that's great. And you, you actually just um, produced a song that I just heard for the first time the other day. Um, with the band Melodyme, and oh, yeah. Melodyme just came out with a song with a, I think they call it the B Room Diaries Volume Three, with yeah. uh, and you, the the song you did is called I think the Underdogs. Yeah, which is interesting because I know you have another song called Ode to the Underdog or Ode to Underdogs. 
Yeah, um, to the underdog, yeah. And so tell me about um, the collaboration with Melodyne. I know they have a, on that album, um, it's basically 12 or so songs with that they do with different artists. And it's funny because I was listening to this and I, I know most of the artists and I, I'm, yeah. I'm fans of, of almost all the artists on there. And I was like, oh, it's like they made this album for me, um, you know. And <laughs> yeah. so uh, Steve Everett's on it, Amy Gerhardt, Paul Fow. I mean, it, the list just goes on. But, yeah. uh, but your song was great. And I think the actual B-Room Diaries is called The Underdogs as well. So mm-hmm. you kind of got the title track on there. But tell me, yeah. that, what was that like with, uh, with kind of working with another band? Yeah, it was great, and and I, I I wonder about that the underdog thing. I don't know if they did they knew that or not, but um, it felt like a, a comfortable coincidence to me. I was like kind of in my comfort zone with that idea anyway, so it worked out. Um, but yeah, no, it was great. Uh, we it, it, this is one of those interesting collaborations where um, we were never in the same room at the same time working on it together, which sounds weird because you know you hear everything together. But um, the guys were touring, and I had uh, see this. I think it was. Um, man, a couple earlier in this fall. So I was, I had come home, I was in between, uh, runs. And so I have a little studio set up in my basement, just a kind of a, a basic, um, bare bones configuration. And so they sent me the tracks and kind of like kind of the rough mix and, and what they had. And then I laid down the, the verse that I sang and, and the, the harmony parts and whatnot and, uh, clean them up and sent them back to those guys. And then they put them in the mix and, kind of moved on so so i had like a bunch of notes from from uh from sammy who plays keys um for them so he gave me a bunch of info and uh just try to make it happen remotely and it, i was I'm, i tell you that that's a it's a special thing when you get you get asked to, to be a part of somebody else's um, project and i, I especially you know the, i love those guys a lot they're good friends i've been on the road with them before and so i'm I really it's not lip service i truly am honored that, that i get to be a part of that project it was cool all the way around well, yeah, that's really neat. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned there, um, I can't believe that you got, you guys were, ne- you guys never performed that in the same room at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, you would I, never know that listening to that. That just, it just seems so well put together. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Man, so that's, man. that's, that's them. I just, you know, I just had to sing on top of it. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was actually wondering how they did that album. I was, uh, thinking to myself, wow, when they, when they were touring or something, did they stop and, and, yeah. and, and, per, and, and record these with different people? Did they have people all come to a studio somewhere? Um, right. I was really thinking that, and maybe this is how they did it. Well, yeah, they've had it. I know that they, they, you know, it was, it's been in the works for a long time. And I, I know like, uh, Charlie Oxford, who's a friend of mine and, and, uh, really good singer. Um, I know like he and I were actually on tour together and I dropped him off in uh, the DC area when Melodyne was off, off the road. And they, you know, he went in with them and recorded, um, his, his song at that time. And so I think that there, there's kind of a mix of like in studio stuff together and then, you know, artists sending in things remotely, but, um, it's quite an undertaking to, to do that kind of thing, especially, you know, across 12 songs with that many collaborations. So I, I was really impressed that, that they did it and, and it turned out great. Well, it's amazing what you can do today with modern technology as well. And, uh, yeah. you know, um, speaking of which, um, your um, music uh, has, you know, been um, uh, put to, you know, I, I like the way you talked earlier about the three album. I mean, you really like to make an album. And yeah. in the world of living in the world of like iTunes and the iPhone, a lot of times today, it seems like the album itself has been lost because people can kind of create their own mixes of music and they might grab one song from one artist, another song from another artist. And, you know, 
also in the terms of you know something that's been a phenomenon for probably a while now uh the fact that you got like kind of like one hit wonders or people that you know he were even saying for that starving artist you want to you want to hit that one big hit like for the Rembrandts right, right. you know that friend song for the Rembrandts that's like the only song I know of them I mean I don't know I don't I wouldn't buy the Rembrandts album um, right. I just don't know that so I like that you've made full albums and in the world of Spotify and iTunes and all these things um, how has that kind of worked for you and have you seen like some success there or um, have you yeah. also tried to hit it big with a with a big hit? That's a good question. Um, and you know what? The definitely the trend is towards singles or, or EPs where you've got you know three to five songs or something like that. And 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 there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think that's just the way things are going. I, I really um, have always just loved the album format. I love the long you know the LP, the long play. I love the idea of a story unfolding and, and concepts getting developed a little bit more over time. And so um, I kind of stubbornly just stick with it. I, I, I know that it's not necessarily um, from a business venture, um, you know, the way to go. But I think artistically, I really love that format. And frankly, if I was trying to make money, I, I probably wouldn't be an artist anyway. So, well, you know, yeah, so and, I think, me, and I think you just hit on something yeah. there too. It's like, it's like that, uh, that balance of of your you're doing you got into this probably for the artistic sake of things of creating of producing something that you enjoy but right. then there's also the realistic side of things of you can't continue unless you're, you know you've yeah, got yeah, some kind exactly. of income some revenue you know the wife is not going to be happy at the end of the day and uh yeah, true. so um so you kind of got that balance and I, th- I think that's interesting uh and you know when you talk about full albums i mean i just think of i guess to me one of the classics is you know Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon or something or yeah, right. you know or The Wall you know like that had to be an album you know t- the whole thing tells Absolutely. a story and every if people today you know that are fans of that music would be heartbroken if they just had one song there there would be it would it would have just been there on it on its own and it didn't tell the full story right yeah no I think you're right I think there's there's yeah, I've, I've always made it a goal, and, and I, I think every artist does, but you, you try to, you know, you, there's always going to be a standout song or two, and you try to, you know, you focus on those and you use those to pull them into the, to the bigger story. But, um, but if there's nothing else to go to, I, I, I don't know, I feel like you're, you're, leaving, you're leaving your listeners and the people who support you a little uh, empty, empty-handed or something. You've got to have more, more to give, you know, so I like the, I like the long play format for sure. Well, um, for those of you listening, you can find uh, J.D. Eicher on, he's on all the things we just mentioned, iTunes, <laughs> Spotify, you know, give him, throw him a few bucks though on iTunes and, uh, <laughs> you know, you can do a little taste test on Spotify and then, uh, yeah, I hope I, I hope I, you know, complain about being a poor artist enough, you know, God. right. I mean, Youngstown, Ohio, <laughs> come on people. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, uh, you also can go to his website, J.D. Eicher and the good com. And uh, we'll have some of the information on, on, the, uh, on the Agents of Innovation podcast blog and everything like that. Um, but uh, as we uh, close it out here, um, J.D., we're going to play the song, Aaron. Tell us a little bit about this song, if you will. Sure. Yeah, this is a song. Uh, I wrote this um, after kind of I was doing a, a run of college dates. and I was up in Vermont. Um, and uh, this is uh, there's just there are a bunch of little towns and um, up that way, kind of in the mountains and whatnot. And I just remember driving through a small town, and um, there's this this shop. They kind of had like a porch off the back that looked out over this river, and it just it was real scenic. And I and it was kind of a dreary day. And I just for some reason 
I came up with this guy, Aaron, who just in my mind, he owned that shop and I gave him all my problems, gave him all my restlessness. And was there an actual guy named Aaron? There was not. No, Aaron. You just, just created it. Fictional. But, uh, okay. I do that sometimes. So Aaron's just kind of a guy who um, was given my burdens, <laughs> you know? Well, so. I, I think I mentioned to this to you before, but you know, speaking of the iPhone and mm-hmm. iTunes, you know, I've got, I, I travel around a lot and I always have those little auxiliary cords in the cars and the rental cars I get in and yeah. all that. And when I get in the car and I just plug it in and automatically the music, it just, it just starts playing music, right? Yeah. Yeah. And because the, it just shuffles, the song Aaron, being that it starts with two A's, is always the first song that comes on <laughs> and during every part of my trip. So I'll get in the car in Tallahassee. <laughs> I'll be in Orlando, I'll be in my, wherever I'm at. Like, and so I probably hear that song like five or six times at least. And it just, I get that, I mean, that music's in my head. That's just the way it starts off. And, um, and, and it's funny, (laughs) it's a great song. So it's not like one of those songs where I'm like, oh, dang it, this song again. So I just usually leave it on and let the, let the iPod shuffle after that. Cause usually Uh it's, it just starts. So (laughs) thanks for not, thanks for not turning me off. That was like one of the best accidental marketing, um, bits of luck we've had, I think was just the, the alphabetical thing. It worked out great. So I'm glad, you know, I'm glad I didn't name him Zane or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, JD, this has been great having you on the podcast, uh, the agents yeah, of innovation podcast, and, uh, we will see you on the rock boat very soon. And, uh, I'm sure others will see you all around the country, but, uh, we're going to, uh, end it here with, uh, with Aaron. Thank you, JD. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Spends each one working in a haze I'm in sad songs and in the back on the rack There's an old guitar with a few good strings And he stays and he plays until it's dark And he always sings I don't write sad songs They just seem to find me I've been standing still and I feel a little restless now Sweeter for the struggle means I can't seem to care